I know a lot of people that are now successful in the business that didn't even get their first deal, didn't get any traction for a long time. And it could be very discouraging to keep running into a wall and not being able to find a solution. But if you stick with it, put in the work, nine times out of 10, you'll be able to push through and succeed. It's that time of year again, tax season. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return. And there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for the new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide. And I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean... This is the ultimate rental property tax guide, and you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Igor, catch push. How you doing, Igor? Good, good, Joe. Glad to be on here with you. Yeah, nice to have you on the show. And you have been active. Igor is a 22-year-old full-time investor specializing in flips. He purchased $8.5 million of flips in 2018. And that was 35 deals and sold 20 of them last year for $1.15 million profit and have 1.25 in equity. And the remaining 15 of them, his goal is to do 500 in 2019. Based in Los Angeles, invest in other markets. We're going to talk all about it. Igor, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? Yeah, totally, Joe. So I'm predominantly a fix and flipper. Majority of our business is in Orlando, Florida and Denver, Colorado. Both markets that I'm pretty familiar with. I spent about three years in Denver before moving out here to LA and built up the business there. And my partner is based in Orlando and we've got a little bit of a team in both of those markets. So we really just focus on acquiring and flipping as many of those single families as we can in those two markets, kind of with a systemized approach. And a little bit of background, I've been really interested in real estate ever since I can remember. And I was always trying to make money and buy and sell stuff here and there, but I ended up buying my first piece of property when I was 17, when I was in high school. And it was like a $750 vacant lot somewhere that I still have. And just since then, I've been really interested in real estate and have been learning and learning as much as I can along the way. 
went full-time when I was 19, doing wholesaling at the time and really sharpened my skills on the off-market acquisition side of things through the last couple of years. And just more recently, all of last year, decided to actually close on and flip most of our deals rather than wholesaling them. And that's kind of the approach we're taking on going forward and just raising more funds and closing on everything that we can, you know, capitalizing on all those opportunities. Where'd you get the money to purchase 8.5 million of flips? So 8.5 million is the retail value. It was about $5 million to $6 million of equity. That was just all private money, essentially, at hard money terms through making the round, networking, introductions from different people to their lenders, and just being able to show my track record of wholesale deals that I've done the previous couple of years. They were like, this guy knows how to find a good deal. We'll give him a shot. And it's really grown just with those are five different lenders, six different lenders that I use that basically supply us with all that capital. Okay. So they're not private individuals or if they are private individuals, they do this for a living. They lend hard money out for a living. Yeah. The majority of them, two or three of them are basically full-time, either retired real estate investors that just lend now, or they have a little hard money side of their business. But I would definitely consider them more as private individuals lending at hard money terms rather than like hard money companies. Okay. So some of them have a full-time job or a business and they're just lending to me on the side. What are the typical terms? It's pretty much two points and 12% across the board that I pay and then they get their first position lien. Okay. And something you said is they look at your track record for when you were wholesaling and you're able to find a good deal. How do you find good deals? Changed kind of over the years, but really the strategy that's worked best for us and that we've doubled down on over the last year and a half has been cold calling and more specifically cold calling on the targeted list. So cold calling pre-foreclosures, tax defaults, probates, kind of those more targeted lists, as well as we also kind of have a blanket approach to when we run out of those lists. But the strategy we've really seen the most success with has been cold calling. Done some PPC and online stuff in the past, but cold calling has been what's really been best for us. And where do you get your lists? Majority of the stuff comes directly from the county. All of our Colorado stuff is really easy. The deed of trust state, so reach out to the public trustee or access their portal online, and they've got all that information just beautifully organized with how much the people owe, how long they've been in default, name, address, everything you really need is just neatly organized for you online. And so a lot of that information, there are different departments for it in different cities and counties, but a lot of it is available just through the local governments. Same with Orlando? Yeah, Orlando, there's actually, we used to scrape it manually off of there. It's the same way, but Orlando's judicial, not to get into too complicated kind of stuff, but it's a judicial foreclosure process. So you're kind of scraping through court cases and stuff, and it's a lot harder to see the information. So we use different list providers in Orlando that kind of put all that information together, and then we just pay them for that service. And how much do you spend annually on the cold calling tactic, which includes the team Uh, and the list and all that? Essentially how we structure it is we basically pay our guys commission only and they're getting, basically it comes out to $3,000 up front for each deal that they get. And that's distributed amongst maybe a caller or someone that went on the appointment. They might each get 1500 bucks or whatever the case is. And then they get a bonus on the back end, depending on what our net profit is on the deal. They get a five to 10% bonus of the net on that deal. So I've got 19-year-old guys in the office that have gotten $15,000 check as their bonus off of that net. 
That'd buy a whole lot of $750 vacant lots. <laughs> sure would, but they like to spend it on freaking Gucci shoes. <laughs> oh, no. you you got to have a word for <laughs> <laughs> They're learning slowly but surely. That $750 vacant lot that you bought when you were 17 years old, what is it worth now, if anything? You know, it'd be probably tough to find a buyer for it. It was maybe a grand or two. It's out in the desert in Colorado somewhere. No roads or anything. <laughs> How did you come across it if you weren't living right next to it? There's actually a website I found on my crazy Googling and researching I was doing when I was just super obsessed with the idea of investing in real estate. And I found a website, which I don't know that I'd recommend using, but it's called bidforassets.com. There's a four in there. Have you ever heard of it? Bidforassets.com? Yeah. No, I have not heard of it. I stumbled upon that and I just saw $1, no reserve, vacant land. I was like, oh, wow, was that like $100? I was like, awesome. And I ended up buying it, winning it. I was like hanging out with my friends in my room uh, senior year of high school. I'm like, dude, you guys, I'm going to totally buy this land and <laughs> end up winning it. But that was the first one. And I ended up buying another property off Bid for Assets, which was my second deal a couple of months later with a friend. We threw in a couple thousand bucks each and bought a property in Indianapolis from a bank for $7,500 through the website. And at the time, I didn't know what a quick claim deed was. So we ended up buying this property <laughs> and we go to sell it and find out there's 14,000 bucks of liens on the thing. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So needless to say, we learned a lot with that experience and what haven't happened? been back on bid for assets since then. We put it back on the market because we thought we were going to fix it up. We we're like, oh, it's just going to need some cabinets and some paint just based on the pictures, never looked at it or anything. And then I ended up taking a drive out there and it needed a lot more than <laughs> some paint, some cabinets. So we put it on Craigslist. It took months. We weren't getting any action. We listed it with an agent. He got a buyer for 12900 or something. We were super excited. Then so we got the settlement statement and it was like, you guys are, you know, Sally needs to bring three grand to the table or something. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, but then we ended up finding some investor that was willing to take it subject to the liens for 8,000 bucks. And we basically got out of it by the skin of our teeth. Mm-hmm. Going back now, I would have probably been able to, it was like some municipal lien on there. We could have negotiated those liens to almost nothing and probably done a little better, but you kind of yep. learn as you go. <laughs> yep. Yes, you do. And thank you for telling that story. So your profit that I read in your bio was $1.15 million. Does that factor in the commissions that you're paying out to your people and the expenses for whatever expenses you have overhead for your company? No, that's just the gross profit. That's basically what we got back from all the closings after having paid for whatever expenses we incur. So, you know, dialers or any expenses. So essentially that's just the gross. The net's a couple hundred thousand dollars less. And then we've got that remaining 1.25, that's just properties that are getting wrapped up now or on the market now or under contract to sell now. I actually just had a closing today. So we're selling off the rest of that stuff is kind of scheduled to close in the next month or two here. That's great. So who's leading the charge here? Is it you and the business partner? It sounds like you have a business partner. Yeah, it's me and my business partner. We're both 22 years old and we met at Sean Terry's Flip the Freedom Conference couple of years back and just started working together at that point. And now he runs pretty much a majority of the day today out of Florida, Denver. Now that I moved to LA, Denver reports to Florida and he kind of oversees the majority of the day today. And I help with business development strategy and raising money for all of our deals. 
and you mentioned the net profit was a couple hundred thousand dollars less than the 1.15, which is a, still, relatively speaking, it's a whole lot of money. So what is that, like around $850,000, $900,000? So is that just money that you and your business partner split 50-50 and you go buy some Gucci shoes? Or what did you do with that <laughs> 900K? No, we're reinvesting the majority of all that into the business. We basically had it structured in a way while I was running the Denver office and he was running the Orlando office where we were getting a larger or smaller share of the profit based on our office's performance. So it wasn't an exact 50-50 split, but we're basically reinvesting a majority of that money. We're looking to do some rental portfolios right now and just test new strategies, keep buying deals and keep growing the business. So no more Gucci shoes for for me. (laughs) And the 1.25 million in equity that you have remaining in the 15 homes, those are homes that you're selling. You just have that spread based on what you put into it and what it's valued at currently. Is that correct? Exactly. So that'll come out to another eight or 900,000 in net profit after commissions and expenses once all that stuff's sold. Mm -hmm. And with your fix and flip business, Why did you choose to go from wholesaling to fix and flips? I just really wanted to get more into the ownership side of the business, not just assigning the paper and getting a a small fee, basically. My long-term goal is is turning hundreds, if not thousands of single-family homes, large portfolios, and really dealing with the hedge funds. And that's kind of just what I'm working towards. I feel like that was a step in that direction and being able to secure our own financing, get the deals funded, close on them have to improve the properties and resell them. It's just getting us ready for the next steps that we want to take and teaching us the necessary skills to get there. And what's the long-term vision with the hedge funds and the portfolios of single-family homes? We just want to keep growing our acquisition systems and growing the business to be able to acquire hundreds and hundreds and thousands of single-family homes, creating rental portfolios, doing just huge volumes of fix and flips and just dealing in much larger volume with a single family. So in that example, let's say you came across a 500 single family home portfolio and they are distressed properties. Your vision is to be able to buy those 500 single family homes, fix them all up, and then sell them to someone or a group. Yep, or acquiring 30 a month or 40 a month for a year, just through our call center, putting tenants in place and then selling that portfolio to a fund for mm-hmm. 25 million or whatever the case may be as like a performing package. Okay. And with your deals that you sold last year, you sold 20 of them. I've heard some fix and flippers say that their approach is for every two to three homes that they sell, they keep one in their portfolio. That way, they're not just constantly having to churn out deal after deal. They're actually making some residual income, so they're not chasing the next deal. What's your thought process on that? I think that that's a great approach. Personally, the market has just been too tempting to sell (laughs) the last few months, last year or two. So you just, I mean, when you're getting 15 offers over the weekend and they're all 20, 30 grand over ask, it's hard to keep them. So my strategy is the next down cycle or downward cycle that we have as a market is slowing down here. Expect the market to cool down. It's already cooling down in certain areas, but expect it to cool down more over the next couple of years. And at that point, want to just raise a bunch of money and create rental portfolios then rather than 
buying all this stuff at the top of the market, just buying a couple from my personal portfolio and keeping them. So a young guy, so I'm kind of out there willing to take the risk and go bigger rather than thinking in the long term. Although I know it's beneficial to think in the long term, but I'm a little more hungry for risk right yeah. now. <laughs> yep. yep. The market has been very favorable to what you're doing, but people have lost money even during favorable times and you have made money. So certainly the market helps, but you have to have a mm-hmm. system in order to actually make money. Otherwise, you could lose money in a good market. And you mentioned that getting 15 offers over asking during the weekend, how can you really turn down that? And I totally get that. So my question is, what is your approach when you're fixing up a property? Actually, I'll be more specific. When you're pricing a property prior to listing it, what is your approach to get the maximum price? Honestly, we didn't even have too much of an approach, especially in Denver, which has just been an insane market. We hardly stage any of the properties. It literally would be like, ask our agent what they think we should list it for, do a little bit of our own research, just looking at comps on the MLS, put it in five, 10 grand or the same of what other stuff is selling for in the area. And then we put it on the market and then we end up still selling it for 20 grand more than we listed it for. Denver over the summer was like a month supply of single family and price range that we're in. So just everything would sell so quickly. It was crazy. So maybe just look at the comparables, talk with our agents and see what they think and just go with that. And how do you determine what type of renovations you do at a property? Again, looking at the comparables in some of the properties uh, on the lower end, we would be putting just cheap like Home Depot countertops, cabinets, not even granite and Stuff would sell really well. And the slightly more expensive ones, if everything else in the neighborhood that's 350 is demanding granite countertops, a nice tile shower, then we would put that what it's selling for in the area. How do you determine what your comparables are? Just like the basic rundown of comparables, single family homes, looking at whether it's the same style of home, if it's a ranch home, split level, whatever, bedroom, bathroom count, square footage look at the street view or look at the street in real life, make sure that it's a similar neighborhood, similar vibe. And then the finishes, like I said, if the kitchen's got granite, if you've got hardwood floors, if you've got nice crown molding or whatever, we would just try to mimic the other stuff in the neighborhood that just is comparable or looks similar. You did 35 flip deals last year. Which one made you the least money or lost you money? Okay, good question. So there's actually one that lost me about $10,000 on which my lender made like 25000 <laughs> So basically, just a quick story of the deal. We ended up buying it. It was already a little bit slim. We bought it at probably 80%, expecting it to be a quick flip. The guy ended up not moving out. We didn't do a hold back. So he stayed for an extra three months, had to pay him an extra 2500 bucks to get him out. My interest payment on that was a 275 purchase. So it was $2,500 interest payment. And I had to pay that for three, four months, ended up selling the property. It ended up being like a six month hold all in, costing us a bunch of holding costs, some fix up, and then we sold it for three forty and lost ten grand. Having the circumstances presented to you in a similar deal in the future, what would you do differently to mitigate that risk? Oh man, the hold back. The biggest thing is if there's a tenant or a homeowner that's living in the house and they want to stay after closing, that's fine, but hold back some of their money. So if they're getting 30 grand in proceeds or 50 grand in proceeds, holding back five or $10,000 of that for when they move out. 
So you ensure that they move out, goes off without a hitch, and then just pay them that five or ten thousand dollars. It's held by the title company, held in escrow. So as soon as they move out, they can get that money, and that would have saved us on that deal. Would have ended up making some money rather than losing a little bit. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Staying consistent, especially for a lot of the newer people out there. I didn't get my first deal for like six, seven months. I know a lot of people that are now successful in the business that didn't even get their first deal, didn't get any traction for a long time. And it could be very discouraging to keep running into a wall and not being able to find a solution. But if you stick with it, put in the work, nine times out of 10, you'll be able to push through and succeed. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account that counts free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net. Best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book I've recently read. Ray Dalio, Principles, is a great book. It's really long, but it's awesome. Best ever deal you did last year? I made $140,000 profit in about four months on a single family flip. Was that flip through the calling? Yeah, that was a pre-foreclosure lead. Got it for $160, $165, put a little bit of money into it, sold it for $355. And I actually had no money. I've had like probably five grand into that deal because it was so cheap. My lender lent 100% of the money that we needed. Best ever way you like to give back? Honestly, I like giving back to homeless people. Whenever I see someone like driving by and they got their sign out and you give them 50 bucks or whatever and 20 bucks and they get so happy that actually makes me feel good inside and give them a hug and like, you know, I like to do that. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Just follow me on Instagram, who is Cash, W-H-O-I-S-K-A-J. And you can check out my website, evolvedpg.com or amove.com, A-M-O-O-V-E.com. And we have that in the show notes. Igor, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about how your business does deals across a couple markets that you don't live in. So how you structure that with your business partner, how you get the deals. And that was the challenge I imagine last year was finding the deals because once you found the deal, you have the operations in place, but then you also got a, a pretty friendly market too. So it's really just about finding the deals and how you do that, cold calling a targeted list of pre-foreclosures and tax probates and deals that didn't work out as well as deals that did work out. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free 
weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.